Welcome to Energy Matters, where we explore alternative health in the Pioneer Valley. I'm your host, Caroline Rutterman, and I'm a Reiki professional and intuitive in Northampton, Massachusetts. For the past nine years, I've been teaching people how to use their intuition and helping them reduce stress and anxiety. Together, we'll talk with other practitioners and learn how they bring health and healing to the Pioneer Valley. Let's do this. Hey, welcome, welcome everyone. You are listening to Energy Matters. We are here today with a very special guest. Her name is Arden Sundari Pierce, and she is a yoga therapist. So welcome, Arden. Thank you. Thank, Thank you. you so much. Of course. So let's let's dive right in. Can you tell us a little bit about what is yoga therapy? Yoga therapy is a relatively new field um, in the world of yoga, and it came about um, maybe 20 or so years ago, and it's there's several schools that do additional training in yoga therapy, so it's part of many lineages, and there are some lineages that are solely yoga therapeutic. So basically, yoga therapy is the ability to treat an individual and adapt to their specific needs. So that's how my training was, was working one-on-one. And you get in-depth training and knowledge on how a body functions, uh, kinesiology, anatomy, I, um, you know, which muscles move your joints which way. Um, so the kinesiology is learned very deeply. And, but yoga is a multidimensional practice, so you go deeper into the other aspects of yoga as well. So I trained as a yoga therapist, um, I don't know, over over 15 years ago. And <clears throat> and I was a yoga teacher prior to that. So this was like my master's or my graduate or doctorate additional training on top of being a yoga teacher. So what I do now is I apply all that yoga therapeutics, not just to my one-on-one individual work, but also to my group classes. So the yoga therapy can be done individually as well as in a group. Yes. Is there an advantage to doing one-on-one versus the group? What are the what are the advantages of having that that kind of thera- yoga therapeutic sessions in in either dimension? Well, one-on-one is fabulous because you are given first of all there's an intake involved so I understand what your stated needs are what you're interested in healing or recovering or going deeper with and so it's like having a class of one it's just you stating what you're interested in and um, it could be that you're getting out of pain it could be other things and then I start to do an assessment and it's um kind of like a physical therapy assessment. assessment. I actually um, look at range of motion of joints and strength. And that is a doorway if I notice that some of the standard ranges that are expected of uh, your shoulder joint or your hip joint are less. 
then that's the doorway through which um, the practices that I give you um, come. So that's, um, people come to me for all sorts of reasons, but um, it can start at the pure physical level. And in yoga, we understand that we are multidimensional and we are living in a unified field. So we are physical, pranic, uh, mental, um, and spirit. And so if I'm working with the physical level, then that's uh, also working at all these other levels simultaneously. So a lot of people feel most comfortable working at the physical level, but someone might come in and they might have a spiritual question or something more profound going on that they want to work individually on. The group class, I apply and bring all my yoga therapeutic knowledge to group teaching. So... Um, you don't get the as much individual attention, but I am still looking at adapting the, uh, the yoga practice to the individual, even in the group setting. So my classes tend to be more gentle. Um, and um, more gentle and... And the group energy is also very therapeutic. So a lot of people do very well when they're in a group. The, the synergy of other people's energy really augment um, the healing process, too. When, you're, when you have the group classes, do, you, do people know we're working on shoulders today, we're working on psoas, we're working on, you know, is it, is it specific People, do people go in saying, oh, we're going to work on the alignment of the shoulders with the hips? Is, is that kind of how you bring people into the classes? How I bring people in is I advertise uh, very focused topics. So I run courses, and people can drop in, but a commitment to a course is really how we go deep. That's therapy. That's the therapy is the commitment level. So I advertise courses and the courses are very focused. I, I don't think I've taught a yoga beginner course in over 10 years. So it's not what you're doing anymore. Yeah. I mean, I, I teach basically enough so that all levels can attend my courses. Um, so I have courses titled Yoga Therapy for the Psoas, so everybody knows that that's the focus. That's the one I've, I see on flyers for years, for years. I've been, I love it because it's very specific. It's a clear, and you know, I feel like a lot of women can really relate to having tight hips. Yes, they can. And some people show up not even knowing what the psoas is. They just saw the picture on the flyer and they said, something's going on here and I need to do that. Yeah. And maybe they don't even know how to pronounce it because there's a, there's a, it's P-S-O-A-S. And you're like, how do you pronounce psoas? Yeah. The P is silent. Yeah. So it's just psoas. So my joke with that is um, we have the outer ass, right? And then the psoas is the inner. Ah, gotcha. That is very, very clever. I like that. I like that little kind of play on play on words. It is. Nice. And it's a, it is a big deal because it's a hidden muscle. It's not obvious like your bicep and your arm where you flex your arm and you see this obvious muscle contracting. Uh, the psoas is absolutely not visual to the eye. 
but it is possible to feel it with your hands and sense it internally. So it is what people call a mysterious muscle. Um, but in this area, there are so many people who are tuned in and learning and understanding what the psoas is. So when I started to put up my flyer, um, there was a lot of people who knew what it is, but they had been told about it, told that they should be working with it, but nobody had been giving them specific practices or delving in a very focused way to really, really understand it. So let's let's dive into it a little bit since we're kind of going in that direction right now. Can you can you tell people what you kind of mentioned what the psoas is? Is this like inner this inner muscle? Yes, and it it's down lower back. Like where is it located in our bodies? Well. People mostly understand that it's inside the pelvis, but this is where it is. It starts, it inserts at your inner upper thigh bone. Inner upper thigh, okay. Yep. And there's two to three parts to the muscle. So one part goes from the inner upper thigh bone and attaches to your um, inside of your bowl of your pelvis. And so you have one on the right and one on the left. So it splits kind of? Um, no, you just have one from your right leg going up to your right bowl, and you have one on the left leg going up to the left bowl. Gotcha. So that's the first part. And then the second part goes, again, from the inner thigh um, bone and goes up and attaches in some people to the sacrum and then every single vertebra of the lumbar spine from L5 to L1. So it goes quite high up, and it's 16 inches long on average. That's so a very big muscle. People, really, it's that big? Yeah, it's, it's a very large muscle inside your body. What is the importance of the psoas? Well, because it attaches to the thigh bone and to your low back, it is affecting your hip joints, your sacroiliac joints, and every single vertebra of your lumbar spine. So that's just the local connections. And then, of course, the fascia, you know, takes it further. So the importance of working with this muscle is we're a culture of sitting in our chairs. And so the psoas tends to be on the tight side in people. So it could be the source of your low back pain is that your psoas is tight, mm. not other muscles. Very interesting. Yep. And that seems like that would be a big aha moment for a lot of people. Yeah, it is. It is. It's not the obvious muscles that you're working with. It's, an, um, it's a new muscle, not new, but a newly understood muscle that's mo being understood uh, by many different disciplines. Um, and so it's coming more into group consciousness the importance of bringing health and vitality to this muscle. And that's just on the physical level. What other, what other, what other levels does the, you know, as you were talking about us being multidimensional beings, having these, having the physical, having the pranic, that energetic levels, having the emotional levels, yeah. how, how do you understand the psoas on, on other, on other levels besides just being a physical muscle? Yeah. So it is a musculoskeletal muscle and also on the physical level, <clears throat> it's connected to our autonomic nervous system. That's the fight, flight, freeze, rest, digest part of our nervous system. And 
Um, the psoas is really crucial in fight, flight, freeze, rest, digest, because it's kind of like the first responder to movement. So if you're feeling stressed and you need to um, get a job done or move, you know, then you're going to be running or um, and if you need to be more in a fight mode, you're going to stand your ground. So it's a gross motor muscle that is responding to sense of safety around mm. you. And our nervous system is always tracking sense of, of safety. Oh, 100% in a big way. Yes. So the understanding is that our psoas is holding impressions, not just from your day-to-day -day stress, but maybe past stresses that you've had, larger stresses, and it hasn't been able to release those larger stresses. So my course actually directly addresses long-held stresses in the, um, in the psoas, uh, as, uh, along with the musculoskeletal shortness that it might be having. So as throughout, so people take a series of classes specific for the psoas, yeah. learning these different yoga positions that they can do at home and also kind of working through the class itself. Yep. What kind of environment, and I would imagine that if people are holding their sense of security in this very deeply held muscle, that during the class, that that might, some of that, some of that stuff might start moving. Yes, it does, in fact. And so this is not new to yoga, but some people do experience a release of different emotions. And so there's, of course, there's the whole range of emotions. You might be experiencing joy and relief and happiness. And then some people might experience tears or grief or even agitation or anxiousness. So that's all understood and... Um, how do you, how yeah. do you create a, how do you create a container for people to be able to let themselves hold those emotions? Whereas they currently had, you know, we, we stuff things in our bodies when we have tight shoulders or the little thinkers notch. That's my spot right there, right between my eyebrows or right under my eyebrows. <laughs> I've been noticing lately, but yeah. you know, so, but it's, those are the spots that we stuff all that into our bodies. So how... How do you create a space that people can go there physically, but also let themselves feel safe enough to yeah. release that? Like, what kind of container do you create for that for people going through those classes? Wow. Well, it's really instruction and very, very careful instruction. And this is why it's important to attend a course that one class, you're just learning about your teacher and you're getting used to all your classmates. And so it really the container is created over time. But I start specifically the yoga therapy for SOAS course with doing a circle share. So when we connect by adding our voices to the circle and sharing why we're there, what our name is, that is one way to start making a feeling of a safe container. And so that is in every single class. And being trained as a yoga therapist, we understand the importance of creating a safe container. So I just set things up um, carefully in the pre-registration process as people come in, all the props that they um, help them feel more comfortable uh, with. You know, it's not just one yoga mat you use. I use 
multiple props, blankets, blocks, and I also um, I also use massage tools. So um, so there's also foam rollers in my classrooms. So uh, and my studio is really beautiful. People often come in and they say this is one of the more beautiful rooms I've ever been in. Mm. So there is sense of uh, visual beauty in my space as well. Cool. So you you're located at Sun Studios. Yes. So tell us a little bit about that location because it's it's a it's a cooperative space, correct? It is a cooperative space and currently it's a cooperative of two and my amazing partner Jean Ida Hoffman is the Pilates instructor there and she and I run the cooperative and we are completely open to other owner members coming and in lieu of that we rent we have wonderful yoga teachers. Uh, we have a Feldenkrais teacher, uh, Victoria Ehrensdorf. We have um, a Tibetan yoga instructor, Adrian Boscarden. I took a belly dance class at that studio. Yeah. And it is beautiful. It's really beautiful. It is the the what what building is that in Florence? That's the Arts and Industry Building in Florence, 221 Pine Street. It's a big converted mill building and those huge industrial windows that are on the second or third floor. We're on the second floor and it's south facing. So that's why we call our studio Sun Studio. It's just sun all day. It's just beautiful. And we face the river. Yeah, it's a gorgeous space. You guys really have a, a really welcoming, cozy, super clean environment to Thank work you. out of. Thank okay. you. Yeah, if you're interested in getting in touch with me there, it's sunstudio.us. Awesome. Awesome. Um, and so tell tell us a little bit. You were As we were kind of chatting on break, you were talking a little bit about how your your yoga therapy style is very unique. Yes. Can you can you tell us a little bit about um, what makes it unique and and kind of how how it evolved? Yeah. Well, I've been teaching for over twenty five years. That's so a long time. There's a lot of evolution there for sure. You've but got some skills under your belt. Yeah. So after I certified as a yoga therapist, um, I just went deeper and started to incorporate. Um, some other modalities that work really well with yoga therapy. For example, I'm absolutely fascinated with fascia. Fascia is connective tissue, and it runs everywhere through your body. And the research on fascia is really new and super relevant to yoga right now. So I do use soft foam rollers as part of my practice, and I also use pinky balls, these soft balls that you can also roll around on. So that's one part of what makes my yoga therapy class unique. Um, I also um, use therapeutic tremoring. I use that specifically in the yoga therapy for psoas course. And therapeutic tremoring is something that the psoas does to help disperse some of that um, tension. And uh, it is part of the purview of the yoga practice. Spontaneous movements is something that can occur in the yoga practice. And therapeutic tremoring is this automatic thing that we do from our autonomic nervous system. And it releases a lot of tension from the psoas. So that's another modality I use. And when you say tremoring, I 
when I think of tremoring, I think of like a shaky, shaky hand or something like that. Yeah. No, not like that. Um, therapeutic tremoring is done lying down, your knees are bent, and it's just in the legs. So it's a very, you're in a relaxed position, and uh, because the psoas is attached to your thigh bone, the tremoring um, starts from uh fatiguing the muscles a little bit from in the legs and then you go automatically into a therapeutic tremor and so so what so I don't quite have a visual can you guide us through what that looks like because I I guess I'm trying to understand a little bit more yeah lying down your knees are bent soles of the feet on your floor on the floor and then um we do some warm-up exercises so that the muscles fatigue a little bit. And then your muscles, your legs, your knees sort of flap up and down a little bit, kind of like a flapping of a butterfly wing. Hmm. So you, you think of a butterfly fluttering, and that's how your knees kind of gently bounce up and down. And it's all automatic. It's not done through your effort. And then that is part of the yoga therapy in helping that muscle, the, the psoas muscle, to, to soften and release and let go. Yes, to express um, some of that fight, flight, freeze tension. Mm. Yeah. Super cool. It is. So that's one modality I use. And uh, I'm also fascinated with a relatively new theory called the polyvagal theory. And um, that's... Uh, new research that's come out on the vagus nerve and how that affects um, well that's also our autonomic nervous system so it's addressing the fight flight freeze rest digest and I've just deepened my study and appreciation of it so uh, yoga meditation and yogic breathing all really strengthen what's known as the ventral vagus nerve so that is the one main goal of the yoga practices is to, we know now we're trying to strengthen or thicken or uh, make stronger the ventral vagus. And what is this uh, ventral vagus nerve? What does it do? Where is it? It's um, the vagus nerve comes out of our primal brain or the reptilian brain, which is in the back of our brain, in the back of our head. And we have the vagus nerve, which is a nerve that comes out and wanders through the body. They actually call it the chakra nerve or the mind-body nerve now. Okay. So It's got a great name. (laughs) It's great. So vagus means wanderer, and it actually... um, it innervates and has bundles of nerves right where the chakras are, say at the throat, the third eye, the heart, the belly. So the ventral vagus um, nerve is part of the vagus nerve that comes out. And its, ger- its job is to strengthen the sense of well-being. It is informing you your inner experience. So uh, it's informing you about our heart rate, our breath rate, whether we're hungry, what's going on with our stomach. But it's also informing you quite deeply about how you feel, your emotions, if you're having heartbreak, or if you're having a gut feeling about something. So it's not just these automatic functions of the body. It's also real emotional, how you sense 
how you are and what you know about yourself from the inside. So we want to strengthen the ventral vagus. So we come into the sense of well-being, sense of being safe, sense of being listened to um, more strongly in our lives. That seems like a pretty important nerve to focus on. Yeah. So there's just some really interesting, you know, new science about that. So I like to teach that new science yeah, in addition to the practices, how the ancient practices connect with the new. Yeah. And even just from chatting with you right now, it's, I mean, it, it it's clear that you have a very deep grasp on anatomy and like you mentioned earlier, the kinesiology and the kind of movements of the body. Yes. And yeah, it seems like you get you get kind of nerdy about that. It's great. It's fun. <laughs> yeah. I am super nerdy about it. I really yeah. love it. I could talk for hours about kinesiology and all this new science stuff. That's exciting. Yeah. It's cool that, you know, you're you're kind of the midway between the the researchers and the, you know, teaching this information that's coming out to new learners. Exactly. How do you put it into practice? Right. Yeah, like that's that's why we have science so we can learn more information mm-hmm. and get it out there. So yeah. The education the education part of that is so huge. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So um, the vagus nerve really does inform or drive what we do with our mind. And so the mind is another aspect of ourselves. Um, So using breath, I like to use affirmation. And I also like to use chants in class to Mm. cultivate calm, steady mind. And um, prana is also cultivated through pranayama and slow, steady breathing. Tell us a little bit about your your new class that you have coming up because you were telling me that you were very excited about the the pelvic floor yes. stuff that you have um, because that's a huge issue for a lot of women. It is women and men, believe it or not, but uh, women tend to uh, have um, more stuff going on there because they give birth and uh, so childbirth can create. Of pelvic floor weakness. So I started to teach yoga therapy for pelvic floor uh, last year. And I thought I knew everything that there was to know about the body after teaching 25 years, but I did not. I couldn't believe how much more there was to understand for myself personally. Um, But what really motivated me into this is I learned that um, pelvic floor dysfunction is a silent epidemic. And when you say pelvic floor dysfunction, what do you mean by that? Uh, pelvic floor dysfunction includes the obvious prolapse or incontinence. And by incontinence, they now say, are you stress incontinent or urge incontinent? If you're stress incontinent, that's if you jump up and down or if you laugh or cough, you pee a little bit. Um, So that means you're weak a little bit in your pelvic floor. Urge incontinence is when uh, you just hear, you just put your key into the front door of your house and it reminds you that your bathroom is nearby and you you want to go to the bathroom because you know you're close to a toilet. So the problem with that is that you end up going, you end up, going 
you, you end up urinating frequently, and that sets up a, 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 a pattern in your nervous system where you pee more frequently than you should, mm. and your pelvic floor ends up being tight with that. So incontinence could mean that if you have stress, you have weak pelvic floor, and if you have urge incontinence, that means you're tight. So most people think that pelvic floor issues are a weakness, but in fact, it could be a combination of both tight and weak. So there, this is a silent epidemic, and a lot of women are being told and have learned from their mother and their grandmother, oh, I just have to live with this. This is just the way it is. But I'm here to tell you, you don't have to live with that. There are things you can do that you don't have to suffer in silence. And uh, those are the two main issues, prolapse and incontinence. But there are other things, low back pain, hip pain, yeah. tailbone pain, sacrum pain are related to the pelvic floor, uh, hemorrhoids constipation, if you've had surgery down there. All the fun things that can go wrong with your body. Yeah, <laughs> all of that. Like, I'm sure people listening are like, check, check, check. check. Yeah, yes. just going down the list. Yes. And so it sounds like this, these two classes that you offer, um, if, you, if you are just tuning in, we're chatting with Arden Sundari Pierce, who is a yoga therapist. Um, it, it does sound like... It, there is some overlap between the pelvic floor work as well as the, the psoas class and workshop. It seems like there's kind of, uh, there's some, some heavy influences between these two. Yes, the yoga therapy for psoas really was to go into pelvic floor was a natural uh, progression of my teaching. And, um, but I really teach them as se separate topics, but they really go together. And it's my hope that my students take both the psoas and the pelvic floor class because unique information is given in both. I actually initially started teaching the pelvic floor course with the psoas, and it was just too much information. Yeah, you're like, this needs its own it respect needs its own. here. Yeah. Totally. Yeah, let's, yeah, very, very cool. And we are here chatting about the pelvic floor and really uncomfortable topics that, like, you know, incontinence and, you know, and <laughs> yeah. I was just saying on the break that, you know, it's funny because I, I experienced their urge incontinence and, you know, it's like, as soon as I get home, I'm like, I got to go. And I right. didn't even think about it as, as a pelvic floor dysfunction. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it's really, really interesting because it's, yeah, it, it is very, if I, if somebody's in the bathroom, then that, that stinks for me. Like, right. It's, it's like, okay, it's I start dancing issue. around. Yeah. So, right. you know, it's, I'm, I'm really fascinated with this kind of work and I'm curious as to how, um, how this came into evolution. Can you tell us a little bit about why this was part of, why this was, what you were witnessing that you felt like this was so important? Yeah, it's been a long time coming. Um, in part, it's come just because I have an absolute dharma and karma with um, the pelvis in general. I love teaching everything about the pelvis. When you say and that you have a dharma and a karma about the pelvis, what does that mean? Dharma means... It's my life path. Ah. Yeah, so I feel that it's uh, something that I was came here to really teach, and it's really where my fascination is. So my fascination also has come with childbirth, and that led me to teach prenatal yoga, which I've been doing for a bunch of years at Cooley Dickinson Hospital. 
And over all these years of teaching prenatal yoga, I just, all that exposure and being in service to women who are birthing and then also postnatal, I just learned more and more and got more sensitive and acute to all the issues of the pelvis. And so that was a huge piece into the pelvic floor um, part of my uh, teaching. And, and then once I learned that it's a silent epidemic, that 30 million people suffer from it, and uh, nobody talks about it. You're like, I got to get on the I airwaves. I need to get on the airwaves and start talking about this. So um, very excited about um, sharing sort of as a public health thing. We really talk about some in the course. You learn a lot of things about the pelvic floor. And we're not just working with the pelvic floor. And by the way, everything is clothed in the class. So it's clothed. You're learning about your anatomy. And you're learning about the muscles of the pelvic floor and also associated muscles. So what are your feet and your legs doing that influence what's going on with your pelvic floor? Mm. How does your posture affect your pelvic floor? So These are all really, really good questions. And I'm yeah. super excited to take your next class. Oh. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> uh, when when do you offer these classes? How how do people know? Uh, let's just give us a little shout out. How how do people find you? How that how how often do you teach these classes? Yeah, I I teach the pelvic floor regularly. Um, so I will probably teach it certainly come September, but maybe mid midsummer as well. If you want to be on my email list email me and I'll put you in my database. So you'll be the first to know when I'm offering these classes. That's the quickest way. And what's your, what's your email address where people can find you? Yeah, it's yoga at rcn.com. That's pretty easy. Yeah. I got a good one. <laughs> and people can also find you through sunstudios.us as well. That's right. www.sunstudios.us. That's right. Very cool. Mm-hmm. So what, what was it that really, I know you said that, you know, the pelvic floor and, you know, this, this whole world really was your dharma and your life path. What was it that drew you to this? What, I mean, was there something that, that caught you or something that really, um, what sparked? I think when I trained with my yoga therapist trainer, his name, um, is Makunda Styles, and he's crossed over. So, um, bless his soul, he was an amazing uh, trainer, and he instilled in me the uh, the fascination of uh, the sacroiliac joints, how they need to move freely. Um, he introduced to me the psoas. I didn't really know about it before that training, and he just seemed to really understand um, this area of the body really well. And, you know, let's speak multidimensionally because yoga is a multidimensional practice. Um, your chakra system is also in uh, the pelvic floor. You have the root chakra and you have the second chakra. Um, and so these chakras um, are very they're about grounding and rooting and getting embodied. And a lot of people have a hard time 
with embodiment of really enjoying being in their body and really enjoying being here. So um, that rooting embodiment piece I feel really connected to. And it's just evolved. It's sort of like in retrospect, you look back and you say, wow, that's what I've been really involved in. And you didn't plan on it. You just go where your fascination is. So in light of that, I do have other things that I love to teach specifically. Like I've had my first love actually, um, because I had chronic neck pain from elementary school, my first specialized topic actually was neck and shoulders. Oh, so yeah. I'm teaching a course now and that people could join if they wanted right now, that course, which is on Thursday mornings. Um, and I will teach a course just on the chakras. And in that course, you'll get more affirmation and mantras associated with the chakras and more meditation um, as well as the physical practice. I also just finished a five consecutive morning liver cleanse yoga therapy class. Okay. Because springtime is a great time to uh, give your liver some extra attention. We live in a toxic world, everybody. So, and the liver just <laughs> cleanses all that stuff. It's it's, it's the detox organ the or detox. one of them. Yeah, it's yeah. the main one. Yeah. So, um, even though we live in the Happy Valley and a lot of people are eating well here, uh, we still live in an environment where um, chemicals are used. They're in our foods. They're in the air. They're in the products we use. So our liver does get quite burdened and in the winter time because we're more sedentary and we eat heavier foods it gets a little weighed down so in the spring is a really good time to do a cleanse you could do it dietarily and in my class we do it um, through uh, yoga poses but I also really love the meridian system so we work on stimulating um, the legs where the liver meridian runs through and the gallbladder meridian. So we're working on the inner legs, the outer legs, we're massaging our bellies as well as yoga poses. Cool. And exploring yeah. those, those other energy channels. Yeah. Nice. Very, very cool. Mm -hmm. Well, it definitely sounds like you are exploring the things that you're passionate about. Yes. And that is always a good sign. Yes. Thank you. Yeah. Um, so tell us a little bit about, um, how did, so I know that you, you were kind of mentioning earlier that people often have a challenging time being in their bodies. And I would think that if somebody is pregnant and there's so much bodily stuff happening during these nine months before birth, what, I, can you tell us a little bit about some of the challenges that people experience during with, you know, because as we're sorry, I'm kind of formulating my question as I'm, I'm kind of thinking out loud a little bit right sure. now. Yeah. Um, but so okay, so somebody's pregnant, I and I have several people who in my life who just gave birth or mm -hmm. have very new babies. So I'm, I'm kind of thinking about this presently. Um, and as they're kind of dealing with these like first and second chakra issues of 
rooting and being here on this earth and the physical birthing and creativity and all everybody's organs are being pushed around and maybe they're having incontinence issues and yeah. breathing issues or whatever's going on in this body and they're they are not feeling it yeah how does yoga therapy fit in to all of this well it's it's a great service to women who are pregnant uh women who who are pregnant, who come to my classes, um, often tell me that it's the only time that they get a reprieve from the heaviness or the fatigue or all the aches and pains. And not to say that every pregnant woman has um, aches and pains with her pregnancy, but uh, some do, and uh, especially in, as you're entering third trimester. So how I directly address these things is strengthening the pelvis. The low back and the hips tend to get really tight. The glutes get really tight. And uh, so a lot of my work is just releasing that tightness and then strengthening so there's stability in the pelvis so that the low back can function better and the hips can function better and you can walk better. And so that's a big piece of how I serve women is just creating uh, a little bit of flexibility and a lot of strength around the pelvis. Um, there are other aches and pains like uh, if, for example, the sacroiliac joints are loose um, in a regular yoga class, uh, doing twists might be problematic. So I'm really conservative with twists in prenatal yoga. Mm -hmm. And I talk specifically about the SI joints and protecting those. And uh, women often complain about heartburn. And in fact, twists are great for heartburn. And so we do specific breathing practices to help open up the rib cage so there's more space and incorporating twists into the action. So... It's, those are some of the things that I do to create ease for women. Cool. Yeah. And you're you're over at Cooley Dickinson with a lot of these prenatal, pre and postnatal classes, right? That's right. Uh, Monday Monday nights for both of those classes. Is that part of their midwife program over there that I've heard so many amazing things about? No, I sit independently in uh, what's called the Cooley Cooley Dickinson's midwifery community room. Okay. So I've had um, um, I've had different uh, statuses with Cooley over the year, but right now I'm just independently there. But they know I'm there, and um, so so it's a relationship that we have, but not a formal one. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Very yeah. cool. Well, I've I've only heard good things about your classes and your work. Thank you. And uh, you know, being being right there with such a, a strong midwife program. So tell us a little bit about, um, I know you're teaching at the, the upcoming Unifier uh, camp out that's happening pretty soon. Can you tell us what Unifier is and what, uh, what classes you're going to be teaching there? Wow. Unifier Festival, this year it's called Camp Out, so it's a little um, more of a um, smaller version of the festival. And it is a transformational healing um, music, uh, healing arts, and um, modality festival. The music is amazing. Um, 
You should definitely go to the website to find out more about that one, which is unifierfestival.com. And it's local, right? Yeah, it's about an hour away in Tallinn, Mass. So I love going because it's a high vibe festival. You literally walk into this festival and you can feel the beauty, the friendliness, the diversity mm. of, of experiences there. Cool. So I love going and I also am teaching a workshop there called uh, Yoga pelvic floor and women's empowerment so i'll be teaching there on saturday morning on june 21st so if you want to come to the festival to take my workshop there because i won't be doing um a pelvis uh workshop for at least a month or two from now but this would be the soonest one that i'd be offering there at the festival very cool yeah so, um, and so that, is that kind of a crash course, the, the yoga pelvis? Yeah, uh, it would be a brief introduction. It would get your toes wet a little bit. Yeah. I like it. Yeah. Very cool. And people can, do they have to register they do. for your class? Cause I'm sure there's, it's a huge festival. Yeah. You can go to the website and plug in that way. Really, really fun. Yeah. You don't have to sign up for my workshop via the uh, website, but you'll see that I'm there. And just know that it's on the Saturday morning and then you just sign up to go to the festival and you can do any workshop. They do workshops on permaculture and on massage, sound healing. Um, they have kids. They have a kid's tent there. You can bring your kids. They've got all this amazing kid program. Um, and then the music is just beautiful. How did you connect with Unifier? What made you want to go from Cooley Dickinson to a big music festival? <laughs> Well, I got connected deeply through personal connections. I didn't see it online. It's just friends said, hey, uh, have you considered this? And I was also invited to teach there. So once I started teaching and attending, I just became a real, let's just say, um, I really believe in the vision of Unifier. Yoga means union and unifier is actively creating oneness uh, through different modalities. And it really embodies what I believe. Lovely. Yeah. It's like designed for you. Yes, it is. Yeah. <laughs> Completely. So we are nearing the end of our hour together. I would love if you wanted to, is there anything that you feel like people out there should know in general or specific to your work or anything that you just kind of want to throw out into the universe that you feel like is important? Yeah, thank you for asking. Well, I one of the reasons why people come to my classes is that I love to chant and I love to, not everybody likes to chant, so I don't make everybody chant, but <laughs> I, do, I do really love to chant. Um, it's one of my favorite things and people tell me that I should record myself and I I don't, I haven't yet, so. But I would like to offer a new chant, if you don't mind me singing. Sure, sure. <laughs> um, would you like to do that now as we're yeah. as we're closing? Yeah, let's do that. Sure. Okay. So, um, so whenever uh, whenever you're ready, is this chant in, in? It's in English. It's in English. Yeah, I chant uh, in all different languages: Sanskrit, English, typically. Um, but I find that chanting is really great for um, giving a sense of well-being. Uh, 
It's great for strengthening the ventral vagus nerve. Mm-hmm. The, the wanderer. The wandering so nerve. Emotional connections. That's right. All right. So uh, I'd like to offer uh, this chant. It's called Arise, and I recently learned it from a friend, and I'm, I'm just smitten with it, so I'd love to share it. All right. So for your listening pleasure, uh, this is... Arden Sundari Pierce, a yoga therapist, and we're going to close the hour with a chant. Arise, arise, arise. Wake the arise, life is calling thee. Wake the arise, ever watchful be. Mother life, God, she is calling thee. Mother life, God, she is greeting thee. Arise, arise, arise. Shanti, Shanti, Shanti. Thank you. Thank you so much, Arden, for being here. That was beautiful. Thank you. So we're going to close out today. You've been listening to Energy Matters. And how can how can people find you? Again, you can email me at yoga at rcn.com. You can find me through my studio's website, Sun studio.us and that's those are my connections right now sounds good thank you so much carolyn thank you all right well have a great afternoon and evening everyone and be well everyone